Welcome to another Saxon Insurance Brokers podcast. I'm here with my colleague Charlie Firth, who has kindly made some notes for us to talk about today. And the topic is classic car insurance, one thing that we do an awful lot of here at Saxon Insurance Brokers. So Charlie, k- kick it off. Let's talk about some cars. Yeah, I mean, let's start. Let's go back in history a little bit and back to the start. You know, these cars were created at the end of the day to be driven. Um, you know, the equivalent of the 250 GTO, it was driven, it was created to be raced and driven uh, around the racetracks. And, you know, they're, they're the equivalent of sort of the modern day Ferraris, I guess, aren't they? Yeah, very much so. I mean, in the 60s, uh, the racing was a hot topic. Mm. And uh, these cars, there's very few of them built. I think 34 of them exist today. And uh, they're worth an awful lot of money. And, yeah, they don't make cars like they used to, they say. Yeah. Uh, even the, the modern LaFerraris, 488, F8 Tributos, you know, they're, they're amazing cars, but there's just something about these old cars that uh, a lot of our customers seem to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, in those older days, they were common. You know, they were as common as, you know, you can drive out on the roads around here, mm-hmm. especially being in Surrey, you see quite a lot of supercars driving around. Definitely. And the older days, they were just like, as normal, you know, yeah. it wasn't uncommon to see them on a day-to-day basis. But now, you know, if you drove past a 250 GTO mm. or something along those lines, mm. it'd be pretty. You'd be, you'd have to probably stop, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, actually, if you go to California, and especially on the the coastal areas like Newport Beach, mm. they are so big on classic cars. They've got the climate. So unlike we have here, unfortunately, it's it's quite often a bit dark and dingy. Yeah and you don't get to use these cars that much. But if you ever, I'm sure everyone knows about the Pebble Beach Concourse as well, mm. which is over there, slightly north, of, more north of California, they are really, really hot on their supercars. Mm. Well, classic, mm. classic and supercars, you know, full carbon Paganis, Koenigseggs, mm. Veyrons, everything, and all of the older stuff, because they have the, the climate where they can use them more. Yeah, exactly. So, and in the older days, how distributed do you think these supercars were, or supercars at the time? Do you think they were quite concentrated in where they were built, or do you think they went quite wide-ranging? You know, nowadays, cars built in Europe end up all over the world. They're mm. everywhere. Um, same. Really? Yeah, same. Uh, there was a lot, there's a lot of heritage in and around Italy, obviously, mm. because of the, the Ferrari brand being uh, born there. Mm. Yeah, Enzo Ferrari being the leader of that ship for many, many years. Uh, finishing his time with the F40, that was one of the last under his control. Um, and yeah, there's still a lot of focus on what goes on in Europe with the racing, Miglia Miglia, Tour Autos and various other mm-hmm. events that happen. But these cars now and also back then just ended up throughout the mm-hmm. whole world. Wherever the, the rich were who wanted one of these cars, mm-hmm. they went. Yeah. So it's not... Uh, it's not uncommon for them all to be left-hand drive, and they they were going to, you know, whether it was a right or a left-hand drive country. Mm. Um, so yeah, they were they were pushed around the world and bought and, by the rich and yeah, famous. Yeah, and and go back to your point on the tours that take place around the world, you know, the million million things like that. It's great to see these classic cars still running. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know? and racing even Goodwood. Goodwood mm. is a, a key yeah. key event. You know, those members meetings that we go to every year with our customers. Uh, they, they, it makes your eyes water sometimes when you mm. know the value of these cars and a lot of them can't be insured while they're racing 
and uh, they are absolutely gunning it around these tracks mm. with uh, you know in full competition mode mm. and sometimes bad things happen and uh, they, they do slide off the track or have accidents uh, just a memory of mine was seeing the the ferrari bread van slide off and crash into the tire wall at goodwood really? and oh it's it's not nice to see something mm. like that but these cars, they the, the ones they race, you know, it's to be expected, really. You know, yeah. it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, and and you know that probably takes us onto the, the current situation with with classic cars. You know, they're now incredibly rare, some of them, aren't they? And there's only a few left in the world, and it's important to protect them. You know, there's there's the storage, obviously. Yeah. And then there's the restoration teams yeah. that are constantly working. Yeah. And then there's the insurance on them. And, yeah. and making sure that it's actually protected for what it's worth yeah. and having peace of mind. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because insurance gets thrown into this grudge purchase category where you know where it's stored and who restores it and who work, might work on the mechanics or who mm. transports it or whoever looks after it. They're, they're all the top-notch people. Mm. But sometimes I do find it a bit strange that customers not necessarily our customers, but other customers would would not want the very best insurance yeah. for their product, you know, mm -hmm. for, for their car collection, because effectively, if something tragic was to happen, like a fire in a warehouse, these cars can be restored from even just the door handle upwards or a chassis upwards, mm -hmm. so they'll never go. But there are certain things within an insurance policy that you or the customer needs to be aware of, i.e. you get the right to retain salvage in the event of a total loss, mm. meaning your you know, 275 or 250LM stays in your possession and you get mm. the option to rebuild it, yeah. rather than the salvage goes to an insurance company and they then own it and you've just had your check and, and you've walked away because no one actually would want that. They would want to retain it and spend probably a maximum of five, six hundred thousand pounds fully restore or rebuild mm. one of these classic Ferraris. With the concessionaires Ferrari team, they can pretty much help supply or fabricate mm. the, the parts and panels and everything like that, that a modern, well, in the modern world is what needed yeah. to restore yeah. a classic Ferrari back to its, mm. its uh, original condition. Hence, all these classy certified Ferraris that get the red book, which is a, uh, a one thing that most Ferrari owners would want, and that basically, for anyone that doesn't know, that is a, uh, a stamp from Ferrari themselves that says this car is exactly how it came out of the factory, mm. or came out of the factory, was modernised by Ferrari to race, and then is still mm. original. So mm. there's some there's different types of red book yeah, because of really that. Yeah, and yeah, I mean you know you know you can have. You can go through all the measures to make sure that you've got the perfect storage facility and you have all the right mechanics that are there on hand ready to have ready to help the car work on the car if something happens yeah but having the insurance in place is almost as well it is as important as those other two things yeah well um, as in all of them because yeah. you do not want an insurance company that's going to quibble in the event of a, a claim or a loss mm -hmm. and a lot of the time Strangely, the the owners will know a lot more about their products and the, and and the Ferrari system. Or you know, it's not just Ferraris; it's Bugattis and yeah. and Bentleys and everything else. But the owners are so fanatic about their product and their collection, meaning that they, they know more about it than yeah. the insurers. So yeah. sometimes they need to guide them, mm. and in the event of a loss, 
and that's where they need to work together with us obviously as their broker so having an understanding insurance company is critical mm. and let's talk about values now <laughs> you know these 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 classic cars at their time you know they would equate to the price of a normal day ferrari mm. but nowadays you know their 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 values are upwards of 40 million yeah if not more yeah so the there, there's a um there was a 250 GTO, the silver one that was owned by Christian Glacial once, and he sold it, I think, not long ago for north of $70 million. Mm. So uh, a good 250 GTO is worth that. Yeah. Uh, that's what we know. And, and let's face it, these these cars will never ever be rebuilt. You know, Enzo no. Ferrari is never coming back. They're not gonna be, we can't turn back time to the 60s yeah. and rebuild these you know, limited number cars and they're pieces of art, but they're art that you can enjoy and drive and, and just doesn't sit on the wall. Mm. Um, so, you know, a lot of these values are, are skyrocketing because of that. They're just never ever, they're not replaceable. Mm. So they've gone through the roof in the recent years. Yeah. I mean, to be expected, really. The same's happened in the in the fine art world, mm. so. Um, I, think, yeah. I think these, you know, the, the values rock, skyrocketing, is coupled can be coupled with the the desire that people people you know with all these bans coming in on petrol cars and diesel mm. cars etc in the coming years people are wanting to sort of make sure that they have a piece of history yeah and, and they're not wanting a piece of history nowadays they're wanting a piece yeah. of history from the 1960s yeah. 1950s and before so there's more demand yeah for classic cars now because they're, they're they weren't produced as much mm. you know a, a, a limited McLaren say. Uh, nowadays might be 500 or, mm -hmm. or maybe the same for a, um, a 599 GTO mm. uh, they are limited but not in the numbers that they used to be yeah because there are more rules nowadays you have to you have to build a certain number of cars in order for them to get the homologation so that they can actually be approved for the VRO car because mm. otherwise it's basically a track car mm. and you didn't have that back then so you could build any car you yeah. could build five of them and you could just go and race or road use them so times have changed with that as well and that's mm. all to do with safety yeah it's a, it, it it takes us back to when we went to brooklyn a few yeah. well, a month yeah. or two ago where we saw that amazing delage on the track where it used to race back in the 20s i mm. think it was and it was just fascinating being there with one of our customers cars which forms part of a huge yeah. collection yeah, that we ensure and it was raced by a lady in Brooklyn's back in the day, and they were doing a documentary on on what it's like yeah. to drive one of these historic cars in the modern world. And yeah. <laughs> I think the first thing that Abby noticed who was driving it was the pedals. Yeah, they're not in the same yeah. order. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you know, the first thing you've got to do is work out what pedal does what because it's mm -hmm. not like a traditional car, mm -hmm. and where handbrakes are and where the gear shifters are, they're all manual, not automatic. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was interesting doing that, wasn't and, it? And we saw all the history there as well, you know. Oh, yeah. A huge book with him yeah. with it, with all the information about where mm. it had been raced and where it had been kept and who it works. And it was really incredible to see, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, as much as we ensure many, many classic car collections, the, the, we don't often get the opportunity to go and do no. things like that that often to be heavily involved in them anyway, or see all the provenance documents mm. that are there. With, with those cars, and that was where Martin Chisholm showed us that, that was really something yeah. spectacular yeah, to see. So cool. And they're gonna include that in the documentary, mm. which is pretty ace. Yeah, it was quite moving as well, you know, 
this car that was the first time I'd seen I'd seen that car ever, mm-hmm. and to see it actually rather than just being in a museum, to see it out on a track, yeah. being race, being driven around, was, yeah. was great. And it was great to see all the hard work mm. that the guys have put in, working mm-hmm. on mechanics, stuff like that, mm. had all paid off, and you know, yeah. out running, exactly. no problems, it's exactly. really cool. And it's amazing how they keep these cars yeah. in such good condition, yeah. and it was probably running like it was however many years ago. I would ago. say so, because actually the old cars are very simple. Mm. You know, they, they tend to have carburetors rather than fuel injection systems, the suspension systems are very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, all the mechanics are, are just mechanics rather than electronics, and that's what's different nowadays to the mm-hmm. old cars. So, actually, they're quite simple to maintain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that from even my own classic Mercedes. When it goes for an MOT and you know it's rust-free, which is good, and, and and needs a service, there's no problems ever because they're so well built, mm-hmm. and they are. The, the Mercedes back in the 80s were extremely well built. And before that, a lot of cars, especially the Germans, they have that that good um, reputation for being extremely reliable. Yeah, and I think in the coming years we'll see we'll see more of these cars maybe starting to be a little bit more hidden away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe kept in storage a bit more just because they come they're so rare now. Mm. They're only be, going to become yeah. more desirable or more mm-hmm. more rare at the end of the mm. day. So people might just be a little bit more protective about them. I know. I hope. I mean, it pains me to say it, but I hope we don't see them being race less. But that mm. might be. That might just be the truth. Yeah, it might happen because they are becoming so valuable, and not just valuable financially, but valuable to the owners, mm. because they they've built these collections based on some kind of draw with their heart yeah. and edge. You know, they they love these cars, and they mm. they now are in a position to purchase these vehicles and enjoy them and. Yeah, good for them like that's great that's mm. that's what everyone should be doing with their wealth is investing in things that number one are going down in value and number two that they can actually really enjoy it and and then on the back of that they can go to all these events there's a huge social environment mm. with that that they can you know meet friends or a lot of them have friends that are already in that circle of classic car ownership and at a certain level that's a great life yeah they'll become pieces of art well, they already they are. are already. Yeah, they you are. know they'll be they'll become um, even more desirable by yeah. collectors, even if they're not being raced as much or used as much. The the market for them is still going to be there, and it's yeah. probably always going to be there because there's all you know the same across the screen on the other side. There's always going to be someone wanting that car. I think so. Uh, the only thing that is a slight risk is that the cars that were built in the sixties and seventies that are, or even before that, that are hugely popular mm. with the people that own them now, they're in their 60s and 70 year old, yeah. you know, that's their age. So they remember these cars from their childhood or mm. growing up and it's a little bit like me, the sort of F40 and 288 GTOs around that era mm. were my childhood. So I'm, I dream about those sorts of cars. I mean, don't get me wrong, my favorite Ferrari is a 275 GTB. I think the lines on that are amazing, mm. but I only knew about that car from actually insuring them or, or growing mm. up around cars. Uh, in in my you know twenties probably rather than any younger, but I remember from my childhood the cars that I had posters mm. of on on the wall and things like that, and they're the same. Our customers are the same for those cars. Mm. And the risk is what happens when generations move on, and the ownership of those cars change. There will always be investors out there who want to buy these cars yeah. in for an investment. They don't remember them from their childhood or have yeah. any involvement yeah. from their childhood. So. Will that go? 
I don't think it will disappear. Mm. I think you might have the limited number of billionaires that can buy them, especially 70 million pound cars mm. that form part of, you know, one car forms part of 200 car yeah. collections, yeah. for example. You know, there's not many people in the world no. that can afford those types of collections. Um, but you know, let's hope it, it, it doesn't just they don't just fall in the hands of investors only for mm. the sake of the hopefully going yeah. up in value continuously. I hope to see, you know, say for example a Tokyo Chicho is owned by someone who's sixty, seventy now, in the coming years, you'd hope to see that it gets passed through the family and stays in the family. Yeah. Rather than getting passed down one generation and being sold to an investor who's yeah. gonna buy it for double the amount mm. of what or the asking price because it's so desirable. Mm. I'd hope to see that they stay within the per like I know, me too, but that but doesn't, that doesn't have, I, I know of quite a few cars that have come out of a very famous French collection and uh, it, it's not a pretty sight at the moment and he was an extremely uh, significant collector of classic cars and his family now own these vehicles and they're all being disposed of. Mm. And that's a shame, Yeah, it's sort of a shame because they then they're not holding on to them, but it's not a shame at the same time because there's going to be someone else out there yeah. who hugely values yeah. that car and remembers yeah. it and always wanted to own a car like that, mm. and the values are really significant. Mm. So, you know, that's just the way of the world, isn't it? You yeah. Know, everything comes around, goes yeah. around. And, and the people in this market who buy these cars, you know, they've got experience. You don't go and buy a 250 Tito, that's your first investment. You know, you've probably had a few classic cars before, so you know how to treat it when you buy it. So even if it does get sold, as you were saying, from a family, to an investor, the likelihood is it will still be kept in the condition that it's sold in. You know? Yeah, and you know, probably improved. Yeah, and it will go into a great storage location, mm. and um, it will be correctly insured, all that mm. sort of stuff. And you know, it will stay. The upkeep would, would stay on it. Yeah, um, definitely. And customers will probably treasure treasure that, and it mm. would be in a, a glass underground car park storage facility of their own in their yeah. own grounds. We've seen, yeah. you know, we've seen that mm. with our customers. They've got these amazing facilities where cars are kept it's not like it's parked next to someone else's car who they don't know or own yeah these these cars are kept in dehumidified temperature controlled environments yeah. so the amount of effort that goes into keeping these cars is, is amazing isn't it but it's great to see because you know people value them so much and yeah they want to keep them in mm. the perfect condition mm -hmm. because when that day comes around and the sun comes out you can take that out for a drive they're out yeah straight away which is also great because yeah. you know they it's it's great to see them being driven mm -hmm. rather than just kept in storage locations yeah. and things like that we've got customers that will take their most amazing cars mm. out just to go and get a coffee yeah yeah uh, literally out the driveway you know out the garage in the driveway get a coffee pool around the town for a bit come back mm. that's it and then we've yeah. got others who are fanatic about racing them and yeah, they'll be doing the Silverstone Classic and the Mon Monaco Classic and all these events. So mm. it's a real mix of customers yeah. that you get. Yeah. You get the sort of discerning clients that like the provenance of all these cars and they look after them like you wouldn't mm. believe. And then you've got the others that go and thrash around yeah. the track. It's great to see it, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Like, I, I really like that. And especially when you get the not so valuable like E-type uh, e low drags and things like that that look amazing. And mm. especially when they're racing around Silverstone. Uh, or Goodwood or, or other places like that. Yeah. And I really love going to those yes, places. Yes. So uh, hopefully after all this is, mm. uh, COVID has died down next mm. year, we'll be back at Goodwood multiple times and yeah. various events. Well, we managed to get to the Concours, didn't we? At Hampton Court. Yeah, that was, that was a good event. Even though you know, yeah. they weren't exactly racing around, 
but yeah. it was cool just to see them anyway. Exactly. And you know, there was a couple of cars that we knew there already. Yeah, we knew they were going to be there. Yeah, and it was actually really busy, wasn't yeah. it? Because yeah. uh, surprising with the stuff that was going on at the time. I mean, it was all outdoors in the most amazing. Mm. I think that could be one of the best settings that yeah. you've got the the gardens of Hampton Court Palace. And that was a, a special, special moment. Mm. And I think it was super busy because people were really yeah. pleased to be yeah. getting out yeah. and doing something normal for a change. And there was an auction there that broke quite a few records. Yeah. So even the classic car market was, it well, isn't dipping mm. um, with with the current economic climate. So, uh, which is good to see. Mm. That goes back to what we've been saying all this time. It's about, you know, there's always a demand for these vehicles, whether it, yeah. the market does this yeah. or not. Well, in the no more being produced, so yeah. the the cars that are out there now, yeah, that's it. Yeah, they're the only ones that are out there, mm. and the, there's a lot of people that want the amount of cars. You know, there's there's more people that want the cars than the actual cars. Yeah, being made. So yeah. there's always going to be the demand for it, and I think the market will continue to rise um, as it has been over the last few years, if not even more, because it's shot up recently, yeah. hasn't it? Especially over lockdown. Mm-hmm. You know, people have been wanting to diversify yeah. portfolios, things like yeah. that, invest in different things. Yeah, they've been bored as well. Yeah. Yeah. Looking online at you know various auctions mm. that are coming up, or mm. you know, there've been digital auctions throughout as well because businesses can't stop. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's there's been activity and good activity. Yeah. Um, so, just customers need to ensure their assets accurately yeah. as well. You know, we've got. Yeah some incredible collections on our books and um, yeah, it's always our advice to ensure your assets correctly because at the end of the day if something bad happened you would be pretty upset if you didn't get mm-hmm. you know an agreed value for your car yeah and values change as well don't they yeah the market the values are constantly changing on these mm-hmm. cars and i'm not excited you know fine art things like you know we've got a lot of fine art that's that gets bought and then goes up in value really quickly usually yeah and it's really important to always keep on top of it. Yeah. Your valuations up to date. Yeah. Things like that, just to make sure that you're accurately covered. Yeah, I think tips for owners would be have someone that is super proactive with the the management of your vehicles. Mm-hmm. So someone that can keep on top of the tax and MOT, although a lot of them exempt, you've still got to do it through the DVLA. Make sure there's an insurance certificate in the glove box all mm-hmm. the time. You know, don't don't skimp on the insurance. Just make sure that all all of those boxes are ticked so yeah. that when that sun is out, you can literally roll the garage door open and just out to yeah. go with, with no concerns. Yeah. You want to have the peace of mind. Yeah, very much. The day. You know, yeah. you want to be able to know that you're actually covered and you can go out for a drive without having to yeah. worry about anything happening or yeah. anything going wrong. Yeah. And then you know you want to get back and you can just put it back into the storage yeah. and it's going to stay safe until yeah. the, the next time comes around. Actually, another bit of advice I would have is put paint protection film on mm. cars, especially on the front, because yeah. these classics, a lot of them are single skinned, mm. meaning if a stone chips from the front, the paint will break, and that means painting a car again. And, and a lot of classics, they they are not as good when they've been painted. Yeah. So having, having that uh, patina of the car being as it has always been, mm. maybe totally unrestored from the 50s, mm. 60s, or even earlier, if you can protect it with that thin self-healing film and it's a great way of just knowing having that peace of mind that if you do get caught behind a you know grit or lorry or that yeah. it's been you know or stone that flies on the back of a car mm. and you, you've got that extra mm. protection and that's becoming more and more popular um, classic paint protection film because mm. it's hard because then they're bespoke you know yeah. they're, they're, there are no um, templates for them so mm. 
and keep them safe at all costs. Yeah. Would be the advice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anything else on your list, Charlie? I think we've covered everything. Um, sure. That was that was pretty comprehensive. Yeah. Um, but it's good. It's just good to sit down and talk about things like this because you know the classic car market is there, booming, and people are investing with them. And when they buy a car, mm. they need to have insurance on it. Yeah. So it's good to keep up to date with everything that's going on. You know, we monitor the markets quite a lot, and we know what's going on, what's moving around. So we're always trying to keep up to date with it. Um, which is good, I guess. Yeah, very much. And we've got an awful lot of experience in this mm. world. You know, we've been doing classic car insurance for 15 years and insuring some of the most significant collections in the world and our policies are generally worldwide, meaning that mm. you don't have to worry about transit cover and no. things like that, wherever your cars are, and that's quite normal for us to have four, five, six mm. different locations, private homes or storage locations around the world where our customers live yeah. and spend time and uh, we really, really understand what they need mm. and that's important that you are hooked up with a broker that isn't just pushing some insurance mm. policy onto yeah. you but actually understands your whole collection and and tailors it to to, to what you need rather than what they want to sell you mm. so uh, yeah that that's a, a really interesting point that I think some customers fall into the trap of being with a broker that's not super knowledgeable about no. cars themselves the, the actual product that they're insuring so we're the experts on cars and the insurance for cars, yeah. and that's a winning combination yeah. for someone that wants to buy mm. insurance for their collections. So. And and there's the personal touch, right? You know, we love to see the cars. We don't just want to insure them and not to see them. We love visiting yeah. the clients. Exactly. Out when the times, yeah, we're obviously there. at the moment it's a bit difficult, but mm. when times are right, you know, we love going out, seeing mm. the cars being raced, like just like the when we went to see them a month or so ago. Yeah. It's really cool, and, and you know, we're involved in it. We like mm. we like the classic cars. We we love learning about them mm -hmm. and learning more about them. So it's always good that the clients are willing to, you know, um, let us like have, come and have a look at exactly. things like that. Exactly. Once a year, minimum, really, that should be. Uh, that's without any events because we should be visiting yeah. them. Uh, well, we do visit them at, at the renewal times or before for the, for that renewal review, mm. just just to make sure everything's up to date. And you know, we're doing the donkey work for them, not yeah. not them, because they've yeah. got busy lives themselves. Yeah. So. Uh, a, key, a, a good insurance broker that understands everything for you is key. Mm. And uh, yeah, a bit of self-promotion, that, yeah. that's us. Well, we've just read <laughs> an article um, on the importance of having a broker there, isn't it? Yeah. Haven't we, sort of, in your book of contacts, an mm. insurance broker, you know, you have all the people that help you um, acquire these assets, property, cars, fine art, yeah. for example, and then you should have an insurance broker. Totally. They're the ones that are responsible yeah. for, or you, they're your go-to for, mm keeping the whole collection safe, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, very much. You have all the people that help you buy it, but you yeah. need someone to help you yeah. keep it safe. Yeah, and that, that's why we also give a lot of risk management advice. Mm. So yeah. if you've got valuable cars, then do you have fire curtains between them in the garage? Yeah. I know they're not the prettiest things, but you know, are they protected by fire curtains? Because they're one of the best things mm. you can have, especially when a house is connected to the garage yeah. and the kitchen could you know, be in blaze uh, in, on fire and the blaze just mm. spread through to the cars that are full of fuel. Mm. So there's so many things, you know, so much more to just an insurance broker, like we've just said about the knowledge of these cars mm. and uh, that, that we can add as an insurance broker to, yeah. to, to the collectors mm. um, more than just, you know, here's a policy, give us the premium. It doesn't work like no. that, you know, so. Cool, I think we'll wrap up there. Um, that was a nice chat about 
classic car insurance and how we get involved and the products that we offer. So if you are in the market for insurance, uh, insuring your classic cars, then please contact us. SaxonInsuranceBrokers.com is our website. Uh, you can live chat with us at any time, which is monitored nearly all the time. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you if you need our help. Otherwise, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, just chatting a little bit about what we get up to here at Saxon. See you on the next episode.